My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here today. So if you got your Bibles, does anybody know what book we're in? We're in Mark, yes. Mark chapter 5. I'm excited about Mark chapter 5. I am also excited to be among the land of the living this week. So uh, big thanks to Dave Barber for stepping in and uh, covering last week. I appreciate that. Um, I hope you have, uh, so I hope you have and I hope you are. I hope you have somebody you can text in the morning and know that something will get accomplished. And I hope you are that somebody to somebody that you can be texted and uh, have some uh, service to provide and some help to give and enable somebody to go back to sleep and not worry about things. So that was very nice. So I appreciate you, Dave. So we're in Mark chapter 5. We'll start this morning with the question that we start each week. Uh, What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Darla, you look like you're about to burst here. Good. Um, when we finished up with the miracle on the on the sea, yes. That did so is that not just still like? <laughs> if you want to, so commercial break. We interrupt this <laughs> video. Um, if you want to see what a good Sunday school lesson looks like, go back to Mark week uh, thirty nine because we're in week forty one today. So two weeks ago, uh, and just watch Mitch do what. You know, like use the experience God has given you and pour it all out for his glory. It's a beautiful thing. Absolutely beautiful thing. So, all right. Unpause from the commercial. Beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah. Right. He is with us. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, somebody else, what's God uh, doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far?
I talked to many of you, and most of you are like, I hate this portion of the class more than any other. I know. So I keep doing it. Um, Because if we are nervous or intimidated about talking about the Lord, like, in this group, then we need more practice with it. Albert. Um, yes, I think back, we talked about this last, last night, and it's probably a little revealing about me, but um, I looked at their fear in the boat, yep. and um, I'm no different than they are. Like, I don't trust them. Yeah. I mean, it's just honest. <laughs> Things get rocky in it. Right. So can I pause you there for a second? So many times we say, yeah, but if we just, like, if we just had him right next to us, then it would all be, (laughs) like, have we read the New Testament? (laughs) Because it's literally examples of he's standing right there, and we still do the exact same thing, right? So, yes, this is... Excellent. All right, let's keep going. So we got Mark chapter 5 today. I'm excited to read a new chapter. <clears throat> so if you're new to our class, uh, what we typically do is uh, read, explain, apply, and personalize. We don't really have a schedule. We just have an idea of where we're going to be. We're starting today with Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read all of Mark chapter 5. If you're not used to hearing the Bible being read... Uh, feel free to do one of like nine different things. You can either just listen, uh, you can read along, uh, you can meditate uh, while you listen, uh, you can read in a different translation. I'm reading out of the ESV, uh, or you can just hang out. But the one thing, the two things I will ask you to do are to uh, shut up and sit still. <clears throat> um, so, just going to be blind. So there we go. Uh, and I've talked to. Uh, my friend several times, we don't tell people to shut up, right? Yeah. That's right, that's right. Except when you're standing right here. So there's that. So uh, Mark chapter 5. So we're coming right off the heels of Mark chapter 4. Uh, Mark chapter 4 was a busy day, right? I mean, this is a spectacular amount of activity going on. We end with Jesus calming the storm. He, uh, we finish the chapter and the disciples are asking each other, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And we drop right into Mark chapter 5. So here we go. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart. And he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. 
And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about into the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. 
Now, some of you, for Mark chapter 5, is a bit more significant of a Bible text than for others of you. And we will get to that in a few weeks. But let's start with uh, verse 1. Now, if you've been in our class for a while, you know that the highlighted words are the things that I'm just going to pause and stop on. Um, And just an FYI, I don't have any additional teacher notes other than what you have on your handout. These are just some things that have popped out to me that I think are worth mentioning as we go through. Um, We'll talk about some of the words this morning, and we'll talk about some of the concepts this morning. Uh, So verse uh, 1 there, it says, uh, they. So, all right. So we've just used a pronoun. So who's the they? Who's the they that we're talking about at this point? People that were in the boat. boat. So who was in the boat? The disciples were in the boat. Who else was in the boat, Tim? Jesus was in the boat, right? Okay, so we've got this, this group. Was, was it just one boat? There were several boats, right? Yes. So we've got possibly several boats here. So they came to the other side. All right, so what? the other side of the sea. So which sea are we talking about? The Sea of Galilee, right? This is a continuation of chapter 4. Now, for several of you, I have handed this out a couple of different times. There's a little map uh, that I have given you to put in the back of your... Uh, copy of Mark. Now I have recently, I'm going to pass this around. My copy's kind of falling apart, but um, <clears throat> I want you guys to, if this is helpful to you, I will make this available. But the last two pages in my uh, little copy of Mark, uh, I have the Greek verbs helps, and then a map helps. And as that book just gets passed around this morning, you just tell me if, uh, if that's helpful or not. So we're talking about the Sea of Galilee, which is up here, so we'll zoom in on it a little bit. And uh, so we were on, which side of the sea were we on in chapter 4? On this side in chapter 4, right? And then we came across, and now we're on the the other side. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, that's exact. Thank you for sticking with the text. We'll start with the other, and then we'll move more specifically to the east side, right? So uh, now, when I heard, so I'm going to call out Dave Barber for just a second. Because I asked Dave to do something cold last week, and doing this cold in front of a group is difficult to do. So if I asked you to stand up and read an entire chapter of the Bible out loud in front of 50 people, how many of you are like, yeah, sign me up, it's great. There's a word that Dave stumbled over at the very beginning. And he stumbled over it because it's different in different Bible translations. And if you look... Uh, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the, what's it say in the ESV? Garrisines. Now, if you can say the word kerosene, then you can say garrisine, because you just put a G in the front, and you're in good shape, right? And to the country of the garrisines. Now, if you'll notice, after all the little stuff that's, that's in there, uh, you'll notice a little bracket with an A, right? It's a footnote. And footnotes mean uh, the translators are trying to tell us something. So flip over to the very back page of your handout, about uh, two-thirds of the way down the page where it says footnotes. See the little A? It says Mark 5.1. Some manuscripts, Gergesenes, and some Gadarenes. And Dave's brain took over his mouth. And he could not help but say Gadarenes because... I'm going to bet a nickel the Bible translation that you soaked on the most when you were earlier in your Christian walk had Gadarenes and not Gerasenes. And that's the way the blue letter Bible. 
website Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, there you go. Now, here's the crazy thing about this. Different websites will pronounce what looks almost identical different ways. So there are times when I get like really excited about, guys, like stop saying it the wrong way. This is not one of those. We are not 10,000% sure whether we're talking about Gergesa or Gadara. Now, if you look at the map, though, the map leans really hard toward one very specific choice between these two, Gergesa. It feels like we are right here and not down here. So I'm going to say probably mostly so. Am I going to fight you on this? I'm going to use my favorite quote from my best theologian at the Chattanooga campus, Bill Brandenburg. You can't make me care about that. Okay? <clears throat> you just can't. You're just, I'm just not going to get into a fist fight over whether it's uh, Gregesa or uh, Gadara. Uh, I think it's Gerasenes. So I just want you to know this is in the general vicinity of where we are. We are on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. All right, so let's keep going. Verse 2. And when Jesus... <clears throat> now, do you see the little B after the little brackets for the section after Jesus? You see the other footnote? Flip over to the back. Let's read the other footnote. What's the B say? The Greek is he. This also happens in verse 9. So let's go back to the front page. And when Jesus, look at the Greek word there. This is Strong's 846. This is autos. It is not the Greek word for Jesus. It's the Greek word for he, right? The translators are helping us out by being really clear about who the text is actually talking about. Because when you put too many pronouns in a row, you can quickly lose sight of who is who. It can get very, very tricky. So they're helping us out here. But this is one of the things I like about the ESV. They're telling us when they do it, right? They're telling us when they do it. They're being very transparent with this. This is also one of the things that I'm not a huge fan about of our little uh, Gospels of Mark. Because the footnotes are not in this little one, right? So this is great for taking notes in. This is great for memorization. This is great for a lot of things. But there are slightly better versions of tools available in other places. So just want you to be aware of that. So when Jesus had stepped out of the boat. So Mitch, how long would it have taken them to get to the other side? Yeah. I love that he's already used a term I didn't know. You also used stern and bow last week or a couple weeks ago, and I was like, I don't know what those are either. <laughs> so I have no idea, no reason why. I, should. I know Josh is like, seriously, come on. <laughs> Dave's doing the same thing because he taught me all this the last time that I went out on the boat with him, and I, I just, you know, if I can Google it, why would I memorize it? Right? This is just not a. Yeah, I might find myself in. A, if I find myself in a boat, and I don't know how I got there, then I have bigger problems than stern and bow. So. There's that. All right, back to Mitch. Yes. So, hour and a half, if it was good weather, no real issues. Okay. Was it, but it was not good weather. They had some, uh, some drama along the way, right? So, yeah, we don't really know exactly how long. But how long was it after he got off the boat before, like, the next issue occurs? 
Immediately, right. Ethos. So immediately. <clears throat> Would it have been nice to relax a bit? <laughs> This would have been, like literally, Peter's at the, toward the, the, you know, a couple decades after Jesus leaves, he's talking to Mark about what happens. Mark's writing all this down. This is one of the things that the Spirit uh, told Mark to write. And this is a big deal in the life of these disciples. Come on. He did. He did. Who didn't? Who didn't? That's right. Who's tired? <laughs> Spent a long day. And guess what? <laughs> the next one's not getting easier. Uh, and, and I don't know if you've, how, how much you have done ministry or not, um, but the really tough problems that I have ever, been in, have ever encountered in ministry, specifically here at Stewart Heights, do not come when I am fully rested and my mind is clear and I am ready for, like, let's go. They come when I am exhausted and worn out and tired and, oh, we've got another one. Immediately. There met him out of the, what? The tombs. Now, we just finished Halloween and undoubtedly you saw some folks dressed up as uh, scary things. This is what they were dressed up as. This guy. Right? Like, we don't hang out where dead people live because it's weird. Right? It's creepy. Does anybody know where this is? Oh, I put it on the screen. Sorry. It's the Mount of Olives. Yes, sorry. We'll, we'll see who's wearing their glasses today, won't we? That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is the Mount of Olives. And there's just, there's just like all these above ground graves, which I think is super creepy. Uh, but there's like theological reasons why they would do this. But this guy hung out, he lived in the tombs. Good question. What does it say? Met him a man out of the tombs. He was coming out. Great question. Prepositions help us. <laughs> they help us. It's creepy, right? It's just creepy. It gets creepier, okay? A man with an unclean spirit. Now, this is uh, akathartos. This is uh, the idea of impure or demonic. Uh, and then pneuma. So, akathartos pneuma. This is the opposite, the, the, the theological opposite of the hagios pneuma, the Holy Spirit. So, you can have a Holy Spirit... So we're talking about the Lord, or you can have an akathartos spirit, which is the exact opposite. So this is impure, demonic. So he lived among, which is the uh, preposition in. And the word lived here is a residence, or <laughs> one of the ways you can translate this word is as a mansion. We would not translate this word as mansion right here, right? Because we would not view the, the tombs as mansion. But this is imperfect. This is action that's uh, been repeated in the past that's continuing on. He lived among the tombs. So he was living in these tombs. So you think he was popular? Like this guy had lots of friends and how to win friends and influence people and just live in the tombs? Probably not. 
he was very well known, right? Because he's that guy, right? And it, I, it, we don't know his actual name, right? The, some of your Bible translations, if you ever heard, uh, uh, <clears throat> if you heard this story preached at some point, you might have heard him referred to as the maniac of Gadara, right? And, and now you know, like, that's a, it's a crappy way to describe his town because they're off by like 10 miles, but that's okay. Um, so immediately out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, verse 3, he lived among or in the tombs, and no one could bind him. So let's look at this word bind for a second. So this word shows up in Mark 3.27. So slide back to Mark 3.27. For those of you that are new to our class, I have no intention whatsoever of getting through all eight pages of this handout today. We might get through it next week, and if not, it's okay. Just hang on to it. So 3.27. <clears throat> Now, Jesus does things on purpose. There's no accidental anything with Jesus. So when he is talking about, in verse 22, and he talks about uh, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem saying he's possessed by Beelzebul, and he, he gives this story about Satan casting out Satan in verse 27, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. It's the same Greek word. To bind. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. Now, you keep that in your back pocket, and we'll revisit that after the story of this maniac. And it takes a little more complexity in the timing of Jesus' examples to help us understand what's going on a little bit later on. Because who was ruling this guy's house was Satan. And what does Jesus do? Jesus goes into Satan's house and binds this guy and then changes everything. So not only is Jesus answering the question, am I controlled by the devil? He is also setting up what he's about to do a couple of chapters later, which is masterful authority over all things. It's like ridiculous levels of I got this. <laughs> and some of you right now are going... I've not heard that, but this is why we look at the words. Because Jesus used the word very specifically back there to connect things for us. This is what authors do. It's what the Holy Spirit does. Now flip forward to Mark chapter 15. So toward the end of the Gospel of Mark, we'll see a couple more times how it's used. <clears throat> So Mark 15, verse 1, and then we'll skip to verse 7 as well. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. So they bound him up. They, 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 they constrained some parts of his body. So flip down to verse 7. This is talking about uh, Barabbas here. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. The word shows up in verse 7 as well. Prison, that's exactly right, because you are bound up, right? You are constrained. There is something, watch me, there is a larger force that is acting upon you to limit what you can do, right? So let's go back and look at Mark chapter 5. Verse 3, he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore. Right? There was a larger force that attempted to confine or constrain him, and it was not working. 
And just in case we're slow, because we are, and I'm so thankful for the additional context here, not even with a chain. You're like, well, I'm sure the chains back then like weren't as strong as the chain garbage. It's not about how strong the chain is. Okay, this is about some other force acting on the chain that makes a difference. Uh, my dad, uh, when I was growing up, he's on medication his, and has been so for like 25 years now. But when I was growing up, he had what was called night terrors. I don't know if you know what night terrors are. The night terrors are when you sleepwalk and you think like stuff is real and you can act it out. It was not good. Like, it was really, really not good. When I was a very small child, it's like three or four, he thought somebody was breaking in, and he punched through the window, went through the window and the stone. I mean, like, the whole, cut his arm all up. It was awful, awful, awful mess. Uh, when I was about nine years old, uh, for some reason, he thought that he should go outside. Well, it, it was snowing at the time, and we found him the next morning underneath the swing set in the backyard, like, in the cold, right? And we lived on a highway. And he was a public school teacher. This was not a good look, right? I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is not a good thing, right? We were just thankful that he went to the backyard, not to the front yard, because that would have been, you know, <sighs> my grandfather would have had to get involved then. He knew all the police, so we could, you know, make things happen. But um, if any of my friends in Shelbyville are listening, that's why I never got speeding tickets when I was a kid. <laughs> so anyway. Um, this is not some small thing. So my dad one night said, I'm tired of doing this. I'm scared I'm going to hurt myself or hurt somebody. So he tied himself up to the couch, right? I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Let's see how this works, right? So I come down early the next morning. I come down the stairs. He's sleeping in the living room. And um, there's the rope all coiled up nice and neat. And he's sound asleep on the couch. He has no recollection of what happened. But he got up and untied everything, and then wound it up just like he taught me how to, because you put things away and ready to use the next time, right? And <clears throat> there it was. And I thought, this is weird. It's like really weird. Right? We're not talking about ropes. We're not talking about night terrors. Tied him up with a chain. In verse 4, for he had often or frequently been bound. This is sad. Right? I mean, this is really, really sad. What's that going to do to your body to be frequently bound up with shackles? What's going to happen? Yeah, you're going to have scars. You're going to have, this is going to rub. This is not going to go well. And if you think through, uh, this is actually a sort of website, caitlingreen.org. Um, these are shackles from about 150 to 200 uh, AD in Rome. These were found in Rome. So this would have been within 100 years of what was actually used, the technology. <clears throat> and this looks like this was designed for comfort, right? Yeah. I mean, no, not at all. The, the, there, we have uh, figurines that have been uncovered. I should have put these up too. But it's basically they would bind their hands together, they would bind their feet together, and then they would bind those together, and they would be in this kind of squatted, crunched-up position. So you've got your, your hands bound, your feet bound, and then those are kind of tied off together frequently had been bound with shackles and changed. But he wrenched or to draw apart the chains. So he like broke these apart. And then to broke, he to completely crush the shackles in pieces. So if you were part of the people that tied him up, 
that chained him up. And you come back later and the chains are broken and the shackles are in pieces. What is going through your mind? Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a good response. Uh-oh. That's just like, this is bad. Does it seem completely human? No. Yeah. People who can do what you can't mess with you. They take your model of the working universe and he has broken it. And Jesus was able to do without shackles and without change what they couldn't do with shackles and with change. And they didn't have a box to put that in. It was too much, right? I'm sorry, I've cut you off twice. What's going on here? That they can relate to because that is their food, that is their livelihood, that is, you know, something that's, that's going to provide them a future of longevity. This guy, he's just painting their butt. Okay, excuse me, painting their rear end. No, I, I would have said it differently, actually. Um, <clears throat> Thanks, Jim. He wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces. Who do we sing songs about that does this? He breaks every chain, right? Yeah. And so I don't want to get uh, analogous too far here, but there were physical shackles and chains and there were spiritual shackles and chains. Everybody sees this, right? Right. Okay. And, And man put the physical stuff on, and Jesus took the spiritual stuff off. Like everybody gets this with me? We're all on the same page? Okay. <clears throat> I don't want us to miss that, because that might be a really good place to stop for today. I think it will. So we'll put a pause right there. He broke the shackles in pieces, and then we will start back, uh, Lord willing, maybe, <laughs> or you might get a text, Dave. I don't know. Uh, we will start back next week with the no one, because no one covers a lot of people. Yes, ma'am. Yes, we will, we will talk about that next week, I promise. Is that, well, I don't promise. <laughs> I'm once again reminded I am not in charge of the calendar. <laughs> um, if I am here, and if the Lord allows me to speak, we will talk about that next week. Sound good? How, how about we do this? How about you start with that question next week? Can you write that down and remember? That'll orient us to make sure that we cover that next week as well. So, um, you should have at your table a weekly update. So if you do, that's great. Uh, And if you don't, then I don't know where the weekly update went. But um, these have prayer requests on them. If you'll read through, make any updates, uh, pray as a table. Uh, Don't forget to put your attendance at the bottom if you are here uh, or if you saw somebody be here, write their name down too. Uh, You are not allowed to sit at a table by yourself or with just your family while we do this. So uh, scrunch up with another uh, table if you would. And then after you have prayed as a group, you are dismissed. So thank you for coming to Sunday School today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast 
and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.